Hello everyone, it's Dr. Deborah Saltman here. I'm the Medical Director for Fem Pharma, and today's podcast is about couple pause. But of course, it's not just about couple pause or how partners deal with bodies and minds passing out of their peak reproductive period. It's also about couple pause, menopause, and andropause. So we have quite a bit to talk about here. And really, there's not much written on a lot of these things. In fact, there's only one article that I could find in the scientific literature, even about couple pause. So I've invited my colleague and friend and member of our scientific panel, Dr. Edwin Hemhall, to join me and this podcast and talk about these issues. Ed is a very active member of our scientific committee and we've written a blog together about couple pause and it was well received and it's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast right now. So Ed, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, yeah, I'm Ed Hemwall and uh, I have been in the medical research uh, and drug development field for, for many, many years uh, and I'm now uh, a, a, um, an advisor to the pharmaceutical industry and I've been on the, on the Fem Pharma board for a couple of years now. Uh, and I've been involved in understanding uh, issues of, of menopause and menopausal symptoms because of some of the work I've done in drug development and working on, on drugs that help women manage these symptoms. And I'd like to be able to provide the male perspective on this topic and hope that I can add value and, and let uh, women sort of hear you know, that point of view and the, the willingness that I have to, to participate in, the, in that type of discussion. Thanks, Ed. Welcome to Love Mia Vita podcast, the podcast to women for women. I'm Jerry DiPiano, women's healthcare advocate and founder of Fem Pharma. I'm joined by Dr. Deborah Saltman, physician, researcher, the thinker, and medical director. Thanks, Jerry. I'm really proud to be a part of Fem Pharma's commitment to keeping women healthy and safe and this series of podcasts. Together, we're providing solutions for women who care about living their best lives at any age. As trailblazers, we aim to break down the myths and provide the truths about everything women want and care about. Imagine that. We asked women what they want, and we're about to deliver it. By the way, we hope to entertain you, and that's no BS. Over the coming months, We'll be speaking with experts about topics that matter, mental and physical well-being, and what more could be done. We will push our experts to give you answers that are real. So send us your questions, and here's to loving our lives. It's true that men and women have different perceptions of the menopause. When you first heard about the menopause, what were your kind of perceptions of what, what it was? Well, I've always heard the phrase change of life. Um, you know, we all have mothers and we've seen our mothers uh, go through that period. And I've been married for uh, almost 48 years. So I've been married a long time and I've, I've gone through it with my wife. But my first impression was that I was in for some sort of 
you know, change and overall maybe attitude or, or, or personality or symptoms that was probably not as dramatic as, as maybe I would have thought. And I learned a lot about it just living through it with, with my own wife, but also in my, in my scientific research. And it, there's a lot of misperceptions, including the overall duration symptoms and other things like a loss of estrogen, which can lead to things like osteoporosis, where I worked for many years in uh, osteoporosis drug development. So uh, it's, a, it's quite a complicated uh, event in a woman's life, and it's it, important to understand it and learn how to, how to cope with it, but come out you know, positive on the other side. It's a really important feature, Ed, and I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners understand that, that that's a very considered understanding, probably partly from your long-term experiences, but also from your work in the area. Because when men and women are surveyed, men seem to find that hot flashes, lack of libido, and changes in memory, as well as vulva and vaginal dryness and itching, and soreness during and after sex that lasts for long periods of times, are the only symptoms. And yet women have a whole range of other problems that they think about. So it's pretty good to see if we can match the two. And, you know, it's, I always think about it like you mentioned you've been married for many years, but I always think about it like changes over time, like couples grow together and they grow into their reproductive period if they're in one, and then they grow out of their reproductive period. And there are physiological and organic changes that affect both functioning. You know, uh, for women, is it ovarian exhaustion or is it moved to a non-reproductive state which might be good and but it causes some problems such as dryness and irritation inadequate lubrication and problems with sex but there are problems for men in this period too like so there's a menopause and then there's the andropause and the the features that people talk about the andropauses are mainly around sexual dysfunction and erectile dysfunction. Do you think there are changes that men go through at this period of time that mirror the changes of women or do they call differently? Well, um, they're, they're clearly different. I don't know if they, they mirror them, but you know, and men have more of a, you know, a slower decline in, in certain function. Uh, they're, you know, they may be having um, high blood pressure, uh, you know, the typical signs of aging, uh, even, even with, when in good health. Um, and I think it's uh, also important to recognize what, what things are going on in, in life that you're sharing together. For instance, you may be coming empty nesters during that time. You have more time together, uh, more time to actually get, get to know each other again. Uh, you may be uh, at later stages in your careers you're, or in, maybe in very critical stages of your careers. I think all those things sort of factor into this process that we call aging. I, I sense it's less driven by hormonal changes in men than it is in women, but men are susceptible as well. It's one of the main things that uh, we hear a lot about is erectile function and whether erectile aids um, improve the sexual experience for partners. I'm not actually sure if that's the whole picture because, you know, I think sex, there's sexuality in sex, isn't there? I mean, there's a lot more to intimacy and closeness than just penis and vagina sex or, or any penetrative sex for a woman. And, you know, I suppose, you know, intercourse is related to activities that include hand-holding, petting, kissing, hugging, flirting. It sounds like we have those when we're young, but we forget about them when we get older. Like it's almost as if it's all about sexual function. Is that your experience, Ed? I think you have to work at it a little harder, try to get back into the, those, try to recall what those feelings were like. I think it's, it's actually fun and possible to, to bring back some of those, those features, even if it's something as routine as, or maybe mundane as setting up a date night or uh, you know, other ways 
to, to become more in touch with each other after what may have been, you know, a period that you were not able to just because your lives were so complicated. That's right. I mean, you know, there's an unpacking that needs to happen. Focusing on erectile dysfunction a bit, because I think it adds a pressure to both men and women. You know, I think, you know, the spontaneity can get lost both ways. If there's a whole preparation period for, oh, I better take my pill because I've got to get ready for it. And I better do something with this that I've got now. And I don't know how long it's going to be there, but I need to keep it working while it's while it's there. Uh, and and some men obviously report, you know, their their ejaculation isn't exactly the same. So it doesn't feel like I mean, it's kind of like the man has to have an erection, but it doesn't feel like it's a sexual erection that it was when they were younger. And I suppose there's a sense of loss for men. Would you say, just like there is a sense of loss for women when, I mean, they might be happy to lose their periods, but there's a sense of loss of, of the kind of empowerment that sex had when you're younger. Yeah, it does. And it, it depends on the overall general health of the man, I think, as well, uh, in, in their ability to perform and emphasizes the need to stay fit and follow um, heart healthy uh, lifestyle that no question about that. And yeah, the idea that maybe you, you plan for sex has to be you know, kind of in the mindset at times if, if you are using one of those products. Maybe it's not date night, but maybe it's something else where you plan a routine in your week or your day when, when that type of, of, pre, of preparation is necessary. And uh, men report that they can last longer before ejaculating as they get older. And it actually improves the quality of the intercourse uh, because of that. They're no longer the, the, the hair trigger uh, teenager anymore <laughs> in that situation. But men shouldn't be uh, shy about using those types of drugs because they will improve their performance, even if they never viewed themselves as, as impotent. And both partners benefit when that happens. The, the other side of it is something that we might have already talked about, which was a man has to be very aware that um, his ability to perform uh, and perhaps um, even last longer before orgasm, it needs to be, you know, make sure that the, the woman is, is properly lubricated and has, you know, has, has maintained her vaginal vaginal um, uh, lubrication as, as part of her normal process of aging as well. Uh, and both win when that happens. Yeah, I, that's that's the important, and that's the message we want to get through is that, you know, sometimes people think it's at the wham, bam, thank you, man period, like just mm. use a lubricant and it'll be all right. But the vagina is not like that. It's got a memory and it's not very thick and it needs total care, you know, to do, to perform properly, it needs total lifetime care. And I think that's, the young vagina probably can deal with a lot more friction. Oh, well, I, I suppose the other thing with that is if they last longer and there's more penis and vagina or pe penetrative sex, women have to be much more careful because, you know, as, as the vagina ages, those 24 layers shed themselves, but they get thinner and thinner and that protective fat layer disappears. So it's a kind of thing that that message says, hey, women, you know, moisturise every day because, you know, when you're ready for action, your partner's ready for action and a lot more than they may have been when they were younger. So I suppose the message there is an important one as well about keeping, keeping both bodies healthy and, and fit for, for active sex. Absolutely. That is, that's, that's really important um, because of, of what you just said, the man has to be much more sensitive to the, the women's uh, dryness uh, and the friction that's created. And there, there are, 
multiple, uh, you know, they're, they're sex lubricants that can be used during the act. But also, I think it's important for, for women to, to use moisturizers on a daily basis, a regular basis, to, to keep those tissues uh, supple and, and ready when the time comes, even if some additional prep is re- required when you're both in the, in the mood. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not just about sex. I mean, I see, you know, when I'm cycling around, I see lots of couples going cycling, doing triathlons, doing a lot of physical activity that really affects the perineal area for both men and women. So, you know, I I just, sometimes I think, you know, women forget to moisturize below the hairline. They just think, Oh, I'll do my face and my body. And then down there doesn't really matter except when I'm having sex, but you know, there's a lot of other things. Lots of our, uh, our listeners say, you know, we need the products for other reasons, not just for sex. You know, I'm dried other times. People with particular conditions such as Sjogren's and some of the some of the arthritis have this problem that's independent of what we have been told is the estrogen deficiency. And, you know, it's quite funny because for a long time, the menopause was focused on estrogen deficiency and replacement of that. And now we know with breast cancer survivors, Sjogren's syndrome, athletes it's not about it's not all about estrogen deficiency it's a lot broader it's about aging of our body functions but not destructive aging but protective aging and keeping keeping functioning and there's been really interesting research and I wonder what you think about I was having a look today at some research which actually says that actually as women get older the, their estrogen decreases and their testosterone increases and the progesterone increases and the increase in progesterone is a predictive factor of a better transition through the menopause and better health as they get older, even with osteoporosis. And the converse is also true, but there's not as much research. As men's testosterone wanes, their estrogen increases. So I wonder if couple pause isn't this time when, when the couples can get closer together. Heterosexual couples, I wonder if, you know, that's not just a pause. It's, hey, it's a time we can reunite in a different way. I, I'm not sure what you think about that. Well, it, it's that's very interesting. And I, and I, I, I knew generally of, of those, um, those reports within, you know, the uh, medical community and, and the overall uh, fluctuation in hormone levels. And it is kind of, um, ironic that um, you know one rises in the in the men and the other one rises in the women and maybe we're coming more in sync with you know how our our, our glands are treating us if you will um, and uh, it, it's probably imp- important for for both uh, both men and women to recognize that, that those changes are occurring in all kinds of different ways in in how they maybe their attitudes or their their um, uh, overall approach to, to uh, the daily events of life might change because of those things. But if we're talking mostly about, um, you know, sexual relationship, I think it's a, it's, it's great, you know, maybe a positive and not, not feeling like something's missing, but things are being added. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we've been focusing a lot on, 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 you know, on heterosexual relationships and, 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 and longer term ones because couple pause talks a lot about, it's the idea of couples in a relationship and how things change over time. And, you know, for me, it's a really interesting feature that occurs in all relationships is that there's a, I mean, there's the first part in which it's like buying a pair of shoes. You can buy a size nine shoe, but 
it might not be feel comfortable. And the same part when you start a relationship is that you try to work out how you find the comfortability in the relationship in the beginning. And then, you know, it transitions through other phases. And then when things change, there's a transitional phase. And I always think about the, 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 the couple pause or the andropause or the menopause a, a bit like, um, you know, going through adolescence, like everything's up, up and different. Like all those things I thought, my body's changing, my mind's changing, what's happening? And it took me a long time when I went through, through you know, puberty to become an adult to, to get a handle of it. And I, I think it's amazing how we expect people now, uh, you know, who are going through the transition out of their reproductive phase to understand what it, what it means. Like, this is all hitting me. Like, why is my memory doing funny things to me? Why do I have to kind of go in there and find that piece or, or let that piece come back to me? Or we start being aware a lot more of these changes that are happening for us. Um, and I, I think probably, do you think it, it, I think it must make people sad to see reflect on changes. I mean, that's the kind of depression, isn't it? Like not viewing the change into the non-reproductive period of your life as something positive. Yeah. And, and, Again, I, I think there's a lot of factors at play as people go through the, those stages of their life. Uh, and, and I think it's important to recognize that it's not a switch being thrown. It's like on or off. It, it's a very gradual um, sort of change that you may not recognize at first. And, and, it, and, it may, and when you do recognize it, it may have already been going on for a while. And now you're going, aha, of course. And, uh, and that it, 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 will, it will continue. But it's, um, I think, on the, when you come out on the other side, you're also dealing, you know, with the fact that you're getting older in general, and you're coping with those things. If it's, you know, <laughs> you know what I often talk about when I forget the right word I want in a sentence or something, and it, you know, the, that blank feeling you get, like, oh, here goes my memory, my senior moment. Um, you know, is it really, is that really happening, or was I doing that 20 years ago or 10 years ago, and it's just gotten you know, I'm more noticed about noticing it now because I'm older and feel like maybe that's what is, what's causing it. Uh, but in general, um, I think it's all part of the process where we're coming to grips with the fact that we're, you know, we're, we're past halftime now and we're in the second half of our lives. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe I'm the great optimist on that, uh, Ed, because I actually think the reason it takes me longer to find something in my mind is because there's more in there now. Like when I'm a teenager, I didn't have much in there. I can tell you, when I was trying to get something out, it was there was a small amount. But every year I add new stuff. I have to learn to do new things. You know, my brain is, I, I call it <laughs> overload feature. Like, oh, my God, I've got to find this place. and It's in there. I know it is. But I've just got a huge library now. I just don't have a small library. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 <laughs> I totally agree. And it's like, you don't have as much uh, random access memory as you used to The And I see it all the time because, and I think other people would, would, would say, you know, I could tell you the batting average of my favorite baseball player when I was 14 years old, but I can't tell you what uh, we had for dinner on Monday night, you know, <laughs> and yeah. without really thinking carefully about it. And I think everybody sees, and, and, and you can also say, you remember great uh, detail of your life when you were an adolescent and even into your college years. But I look back on the last 20 or 30 years and it's a big blur. And, yeah, yeah. and I need markers <laughs> to say, oh yeah, that happened in 
2005. Oh yeah, it's because that's the year my daughter graduated from high school. And I, I try to figure out all the different uh, ways to, to, to mark milestones, but you're right. Our, our lives, our, 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 our brain is so full of information and, and stimuli that uh, sometimes it just feels like we're, we're, we're being uh, unnecessarily forgetful, but we're just trying to manage all, all everything that's there. Absolutely. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we're doing these podcasts. We're, we're trying to help our listeners unpack some things so that what they take away comes doesn't stay in the annex of their brain in the back and come out randomly, but rather comes out in a fashion that's helpful. Because, you know, um, it's, it's, it's no surprise that all the psychological kind of research says that self-esteem is important, optimism, satisfaction with the relationship, emotionally support, they're all related to sexual function and overall function. I mean, and in these times when the pandemic's around, it's, it, you know, it's hard to maintain those at the best of times, let alone build in them. I mean, I, I try to be nice to myself, but, you know, I just wonder if these kind of, you know, the pandemic has got an effect as well on, because, you know, it's not a time when we can be optimistic. Every time we get optimistic that we're over something, something new happens and we have a, a new challenge to face. So, you know, I, I wonder about that, whether you think it's pretty hard to get that optimism right now or what are the features of in couples, how we do it together to get optimistic about our transition? Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad that we have to talk about this in the sense of something that should be more generalized, but the time we're in now can't be ignored. And I, you know, I, keep saying to, to people uh, being a scientist and following the, 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 the scientific progress um, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And if we do this and, and, you know, just hang on. And then I keep finding out that the tunnels keeps getting longer. So yeah. The lights yeah. out there, but the yeah. tunnels get, gets longer. Um, and I think couples have been, you know, required to, to spend more time together and, and look for new ways to, um, you know, to, to, to use that time in a, in a constructive way, but not only for whatever they want to achieve in their lives, but also for their relationship. And hopefully um, it's been helpful, but it also, I think, adds a level of stress that, that wasn't there before. I think that's true. But when I look from the other side, there's kind of like me, I'm in a new relationship. I've just celebrated my second wedding anniversary through the menopause. So myself and my partner, she and I, started in a place where we had to think differently like there is vaginal dryness I'm not always feeling sexually active you know I'm in a loving space there are different ways that we can show our intimacy and I wonder if that's something that's important for people who are looking for new partners in, in, in later times in their life to be able to explore do you think it's easy I mean uh, you know I'm gay and uh, you know maybe it's not easier or easier for me to explore that with my partner do you think it's easy for women to kind of negotiate that with men or there's an expectation in a new relationship that goes back to being a teenager where you know there's a performance initiative it's about sex it's you know intimacy hasn't developed all those kind of things what's your thoughts well you know as, as someone who's had a long time uh, partner I would I would be worried if, if I lost her or, or something happened and, and we, we we became I broke up because I wouldn't know how to start a new relationship. Um, I would have performance anxiety. Um, I would um, you know I've, I've not been intimate with another woman for 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 years and years, um, and maybe that's too much personal information. <laughs> but I think men um, 
will have some 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 anxieties about the first time they would have an intimate relationship with a with another man or with another woman mm. uh, with a woman and um that is i think normal um i'm i'm but it, it's it's probably not the same as as being a teenager or or when you're younger in life you're older and you you've got enough experience to, to, to try to deal with some, with things like this but it's still a brand new experience for, for for people who are entering a new relationship at this stage yeah well you know it's funny when i meant when i talk about this with my friends who are who are in heterosexual relationships or looking for heterosexual partners looking for male partners they say deb you're way out i'm i'm much my libido's much increased now i don't have to worry about getting pregnant and i don't have to take the oral contraceptive i feel much freer i've got more uh, libido and all those provisos and limitations they've disappeared so that's interesting and so uh, you know what is the you know the the kind of feeling that makes women think they should be less interested in sex at this time when really it's a freeing period and they could be more interested in and as you've just said Ed men have the same sort of insecurities about performance and intimacy later in life and and the dating game may be tricky so um it's kind of complex it's not as we think it is like men like we just talked about men getting more estrogen, women getting more progesterone, more androgen, like getting more like each other. Sexual performance is a problem for each. Even in, in long-term couples, like you've talked about, intimacy is important and sharing and closeness, particularly, you know, with the pandemic around, all this stuff is pretty important. So, you know, um, I don't know what kind of messages um, we should be talking to our, our podcast listeners, except, you know, Talking with your partner is pretty important, even if it's a new partner. Talking with your partner, um, you know, staying connected. Mm -hmm. um, if sexual dysfunction is present, it's a partnership issue and both partners should be talking about it. You know, um, mucosal surfaces, all of them need to be moisturised and cared for on a daily basis, that kind of stuff. How we help couples uh, improve the self-esteem as we get older, I mean, we're talking about post-reproductive period for a lot of people now that's 30 to 40 years so it's a long time spent yeah. in, in this period of post-reproduction and so I suppose one of the things I'd like to move on to are some of the other issues that happen for women and, and how men view them I mean one of your areas of expertise has been dealing with overactive bladders and that's a really incontinence urinary incontinence is a big issue for women and genitourinary symptoms and I'm just wondering what what your what your take in it is being involved in that area and also for your take for women about it and what your thoughts are about that. Well, yeah, I, I worked in this area for, for many years and, and worked really hard with other with women uh, on the team uh, to understand this uh, overactive bladder and how it, it can strike women at any time in life, especially, you know, it doesn't require uh, you know, menopause or, or, or loss of estrogen, uh, but that can, that can also be one of the reasons. The, the main thing that I learned, and I think uh, it's important, is that most women are embarrassed by it and want to manage it on their own without talking about it, maybe a, 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 with close group of friends, uh, but most women uh, believe that they can, they'll just have to manage it on their own. They don't, it's, it's a, a, you know, something that they have to deal with. 
and the the absorbent products, et cetera, are the are the main are the main go-to. But there are products that can help you manage it. There are coping mechanisms that if they go online and 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 become part of the community, they can learn how to what's called bathroom mapping, uh, all kinds of different ways of coping. But the main thing is to tell your doctor when you have it, when when you're experiencing it. Uh, we learned that that the average woman doesn't tell their doctor that they have the overactive bladder symptoms, leakage, uh, et cetera, for seven years after they've been having it for up to seven years before they talk to their doctor. And that's a, that that's not something, and it's often an offhand conversation, like on their way out of the office. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, doctor. And it, it should be a, something that, that you, um, take, take an active role in, in managing and find out what your options are and your, and your doctor can, uh, can be a big help in that. Yeah. Wow. Seven years. That's such a long time. And, you know, part of that, if that for those seven years, just think, I mean, urine is acid, just think of the excoriation and, and the burning that must occur, not, uh, not just leakage and embarrassment, but the burning that must occur around the vagina and the vulva and around the clitoris. I mean, it can't make anything down there very pleasurable for women. So, and for seven years, that's a that's an awfully long time as well in this change. Um, that's a really sad, sad feature. But you know, maybe that's something we need to be talking to our listeners too about. Hey, if you've got problems, um, and you know, sharing it with your partner might be a start too. I mean, most partners are pretty used to women. Wedding, not maybe not wedding the wedding the bed in sexual satisfaction, wedding the bed when they have sex, or even when their periods are about. So this whole idea of us women being wet in our perineum is kind of common. I I wonder why women don't actually talk to their their partners about it because most partners would see it and and know it was happening. Um, I guess though some of the younger people are telling me now that a lot of women on the oral contraceptive aren't taking the break are just going continuously so they don't have periods so maybe it's a it's a new feature and that women uh, you know aren't exploring it with their partners as much as they did uh, but it's a yeah. certain and, and the actual truth is that that men also start developing leakage problems too as they get older um, and so you know might as well hold hands and, sh- and you know go through it together and and cope with it yeah exactly Ed I mean that's the whole point I was pleased you mentioned that I mean I was going to bring it up but this is it's such it's the same kind of taboo topic for men as it is for women and and I suppose we, we're able to talk about it now and and I suppose that brings me on next to the features you know we've talked about the change period but we need to talk about what happens after the change and and couple pause is an interesting issue for our aging population who may be in care facilities I mean, what happens to couples when they're in care facilities? Now, with one couple being extremely sick sometimes with COVID, what is the what is the change? And and are we looking after our parents and our parents' generation? What are we doing when we visit our parents in care facilities? Do we get the staff to talk to us about their urinary continence and what it might be doing in terms of, of their vulvovaginal area, but also in terms of their relationship? And we know it's pretty t- tricky for couples to have sex uh, in uh, in these care facilities. I mean, I know uh, one of my patients once said to me the big thing she missed when her husband was starting to dement was having sex. She couldn't find the way to find her way back to him to have sex. And uh, so I, mean, I suppose that's another issue. I mean, how we deal with it in our aging population, you know, our, in our parents' generation and those generations before us who are, who are struggling uh, with their new environments. Yeah, and in fact, 
um, I think for a lot of people, the idea of our parents having sex is not something that, that you <laughs> typically like to think about. Um, it, it, it's funny, I, I think, in, a, in, in that way, because as I've gotten older, I realized that there is no age limit. You know, you don't lose interest in sex as as you get older, and that and that somehow um, it doesn't matter because it does. And uh, and a, you know, a good healthy relationship, they, uh, a couple can have sex, you know, as long as, long as, as old as they want. And it's um, it's it's hard to when one of the other when one of the partners is is no longer able or or. Um, losing you know mental facility and i think it's almost on a case-by-case basis i just i'm not sure how i can offer any advice except to be aware that (laughs) sexuality goes on till till the end of life uh, and that um, it's not to be forgotten and brushed aside because it's you know they're old it doesn't matter Absolutely. And I, you know, when I was younger and I was first starting in my family practice residency, I had a patient come in to me and say to me, he was 85, and he said, Do I still have to do it every day? I see it's my duty. And I was laughing. I had no, I, like I was, you know, young doctor, had no idea. I still tell that story to remind myself that, you know, sex is on a continuum and people can have sex or not have sex through the whole of their life cycle. And those of us who have, elderly parents or parents in care facilities, making sure that they have their sexual needs fulfilled, particularly if they've lost their partner uh, and making sure that they're ready for anything they might want is also a pretty important area. And not just for heterosexual couples, but also for same-sex couples in, the, in these environments as well. It's pretty tricky for them as well. Or also if you, if, if you have um, elderly friends or relatives or even younger relatives who are who are losing their their mental functioning to be able to tell people about that with dementia you know having help and support for them we've talked about those kind of pe- places and uh, and people with those kind of problems we haven't talked a lot about people living with disabilities and and caring for their bodies particularly if they're in wheelchairs or with limited mobility and what that means in terms of sexual function and intimacy and keeping their perineum um, healthy perhaps we can do that in another talk and uh, I might invite you back uh, next time to have a chat about that we're kind of nearing the end of our time Ed, but if you were going to summarize the four or five key messages that you might want to give to couples, perspective from, from the male perspective to couples, and what you'd like to be able to talk from your own perspective to women about out there about your experiences, that would be great. Four or five messages that we can leave to take home messages for our listeners. Well, I, th- I guess the main message is that um, getting older uh, does not mean that your sexual performance or your um, your sexual desire necessarily changes uh, in a negative way, but it may change in ways that you need to adapt to uh, for both um, men and women. Um, and you know, for, and for women, it's it's really important um, to make sure that you know that you're, you're addressing any uh, symptoms of vaginal dryness and 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 you and are well lubricated uh, because of the of the the changes that occur and men need to be aware that that is happening and to be supportive and uh understanding with that and and in fact 
you know, make it a part of your regular routine so that it's, it's not something that is, you know, a, a, an annoyance, but it's, it's part of the fun and it, it can be actually. Um, and also that there's a, there's a higher a quality of intimacy that you still need to pursue and not forget about that uh, as, 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 a, as, as time goes on. And as, as, as couples, you are finding maybe you're spending more time together than you ever did before. So there's a, a whole array of, of, of opportunities that maybe you didn't have before. So look at it as a very positive thing and uh, you know, take the proper um, you know, precautions that, that are part of you know, the, the, nor the normal aging process for both men and women, uh, either, either in precautions or in, in understanding uh, you know, performance uh, levels and, and how to make the best of them. They're, 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 they're great messages, and, and I'll pop, so perhaps I'll just, uh, they're, they're great messages, and perhaps I'll just add a couple of my own. Um, talk and listen, and there's no necessarily order in which you do it, talk and listen, listen and talk, but talk and listen with each other, and remember that feelings and emotions and physicality are linked. The brain is a conduit for messages. It's not the end point for them, so everything's linked in the body, and uh, aging, you know, maybe I'm just saying it because I experience it. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's a really nice, beautiful time when you can reflect on things and reassess, just like the transition into the reproductive phase. It happens to everyone. And important to share your experiences with your intimate partner. Start the conversation, but not just start the conversation, keep it going. And second, as you said, Ed, that's the most important thing. You just blew my mind about seven years of overactive bladder and not mentioning it to a clinician. Start talking to us. Please open the conversation. One of the most important things I've noticed in conversations is we clinicians deal with urgent. We very rarely deal with serious, what people consider non-urgent problems. So bring serious to the fore. Don't just talk about urgent problems talk about urgent and serious problems and having bladder incontinence is a really serious one now thank you ed for both men and women so both of you start the conversation with your physician bring it up talk with your physician about it or and or find a therapist who has some experience in these areas so you can talk about it so you can grow all together with your intimate partner you know Investing in self-care is pretty important, but in investing in partner care makes couple pause, couple advancement. And I think that's what we're all about here is couple advancement and care for couples. And as you said, Ed, enjoy each other. Menopause isn't a mind of sequence, neither is andropause. We want to be there. It's a time for sharing. Um, Ed, I really want to thank you. So, Ed, thank you very much for joining us on this Fem Pharma podcast. Remember, everyone, the whole body is involved. We've talked a lot about couple pause, but we want to remind you that Fem Pharma is really here to help women through the transition and after through our aging changes in terms of making products, you know, that are important and caring for women. Thanks all. Please send stuff to us in the chat and we're here for you and have a very safe and wonderful time over the next few months. Take care. <music>